Welcome to the City Temple live stream. This is part of one of our Sunday worship gatherings. If you'd like to join us for our whole service via Zoom, then please email us at info at city-temple.com. We're also meeting in person. And so if you'd like more information about that, please visit our website or email us at that same address. It is a privilege and an honor once again to sit under the teaching of Pastor Rod, and he's going to continue our series. We thank you, and we ask now, Holy Spirit, you would come. Well, it's great to see everyone today. Uh, just a, a continued apologies for my laryngitis. Uh, I, I just, because, you know, a lot of people watch on YouTube uh, as well, uh, just, to, just to mention that this is not because I was cheering for England. Uh, although I was cheering for England, uh, but uh, as you know, it's because of the COVID that I had uh, and uh, being in the hospital for 71 days, uh, what, a, what a fun time. But not nearly as fun as watching England win tonight, right? Uh, I've been really happy because uh, I've called the last two matches. Uh, I said uh, that uh, with against Ukraine, that we were going to score in the first five minutes and that we would score four goals. And so we did uh, against uh, 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 Denmark that uh, I said that the final score would be two to one and we wouldn't go into uh, penalties. So now, now I'm gonna give you my, uh, my thing for uh, today. If you want, I, I'm, go I'm really going out on a limb here because it's going to be recorded, okay? Uh, but uh, England, of course, is going to win. Uh, anybody who doubts that maybe should, uh, I don't know, turn off now. But uh, uh, I think the final score is going to be 3-1. And that, that's a risk, you know? Anybody who knows football knows that's a risk. But I felt that a couple of days ago and it just hasn't gone. I could be wrong. I'm not saying it's from God. I was tempted to go online and make a, a bet. But then I thought, no, if I did that, uh, that would probably not be the, the, the right way to uh, approach it. And if I bet on it, I'm certain I would have lost. So, so no bets or anything like that. There we go. There, there we have it. So... Uh, uh, so let's cheer on England today and uh, let's see what happens and see if it's coming home. Uh, and who knows, you know, what, what could be better than an England win that sparks off a revival of Christianity in our nation? It could happen. Stranger things have happened. So anyway, if you have your Bibles, let's go to Acts chapter 3. And I'm going to read a very long passage, Acts chapter 3 all the way down to chapter 4, verse 22. Uh, and this has been just a strange sermon series for me because it's one of those where uh, the Lord has just, I feel like the Lord's kept speaking throughout and I've had a lot of good feedback uh, and I'm, I've felt confident it's a, something that the Lord's been leading, but uh, at the same time, it's always been a bit of a struggle kind of pushing through. And I was actually going to, initially I was going to skip this passage uh, and, and just the Lord uh, just, just felt 
drew me into this and had something to say. Uh, and so hopefully we'll see what, he, what, what happens here. Uh, but we'll start uh, with chapter 3, verse 1. Uh, but before we do, let's pray. Gracious God, thank you so much for your word. I pray that you would speak your word to us in the power of your spirit today. And I pray that you'd speak your word through me, despite this laryngitis, uh, in a way that builds up your people and brings glory and honor to Jesus. For we pray all in Jesus' name. Amen. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. That's about three o'clock in the afternoon. And a man, lame from birth, was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate to ask alms of those entering the temple. Now this was uh, a form of social care in that day, and uh, people could get a livelihood uh, from the alms that they received. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While he clung to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astounded, uh, astounded ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people, Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate, when he had decided to release him. But you denied the Holy and Righteous One and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of all. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus." whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Moses said, 
the Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who came after him also proclaim these days. You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, and in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to the crippled man, and by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is no salvation, there is, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For that a noble sign, a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we can't deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or to teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them, 
because of the people, for all were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. May God bless to us this reading from his holy word. Well, we've been going through some incredible times the last 18 months, the struggles with COVID and the, the COVID situation, and certainly one of the most challenging things for us as Christians is how do we address issues like the lockdowns, uh, saying that you couldn't gather together inside uh, in large groups of people, that you couldn't sing, that you couldn't worship. Uh, I, I'm just thankful that I wasn't part of another group in the UK whose leader said, well, you know, as a pastor, you couldn't even uh, do a Zoom service from your sanctuary with nobody else in there. And I just scratched my head and, and, you know, and I wondered, I said, well, you know, if I was part of that, I couldn't obey that. I couldn't listen to that. And, and we've really wrestled with this. And there have been, there have been some pastors, you know, that have tried to make the best of a difficult situation. It's kind of like we've done here. Uh, there's others that uh, have kind of tried to push the margins. And yet there's still others that have said, no way. We're not going to close the doors. You can't make us close the doors. We're going to keep going. You know, we'll go in defiance of the government. It doesn't matter, you know, you know, because we got to have church. We got to preach. Uh, we got to do all these things. And it's a challenge to know, okay, where, where do you follow the guidelines? Where, where is the boundary line? And obviously it's different in different places because there are a lot of American pastors, you know, say, know that we're not going to close our doors. So the situation is different in the U.S. than in the U.K. Uh, because in the U.S., the, the freedom of religion is enshrined in the Constitution, which is the highest level of law, in a way that's not the case here in the U.K. And so how do we navigate through all of that? And really, I, 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 uh, I knew that I needed to speak in this passage when actually I was reading online, uh, Premier Radio does a, uh, a news uh, email uh, and asked a question actually, uh, when is it acceptable to disobey the government? And that's a good question. When is it acceptable to disobey the government? Or what about preaching on the streets? You know, we know a lot of people connected to our church who are saved through street preaching. And we probably also know a lot of other people who were permanently turned off Christianity because of some street preachers. You know, so, you know, how do we engage in that? Because I'm not against street preaching at all. But how do we do that? Uh, and there's a whole host of questions that come up. And this passage is important because this passage is the passage that's very often used when Christian leaders want to defy or disobey the government, whether rightly or wrongly. You know, it's like, well, you know, judge for yourself whether we should listen to God or to you. And, and so there's this belligerence that often rises up when people read this passage and, and so the question comes, what is this passage saying 
how is this passage speaking into our situation? Because Peter and John were dealing with this very issue. I mean, the people that called them, they went to the temple. The temple was a public place. Here's the guy that was there. He'd been begging there for years and years and years. Friends would bring him because he couldn't walk. And, uh, and he gathered alms. And again, it's, that's not like begging on the streets today. Back in that day, it was something that people, people did. It was a way that you could get, get help and support, uh, especially if you didn't have a family to take care of you. So they walk in, obviously, and they say, hey, you know, we don't have gold or silver, but I tell you what, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, get up. And of course, that attracts attention when that happens. And so they got the attention, and, and Peter, you know, gave a message here. And uh, uh, a couple more thousand people were added to the number because of the message. I mean, this is pretty cool. I'm ready for this to happen in London, by the way. Uh, and, uh, and as always, when you got somebody out preaching publicly like that or being a little disruptive, the authorities get a little unnerved by that. And so they came and they arrested them. And even though they're religious authorities, they also had some political authority because obviously they put them in jail overnight, let them cool off. They bring them up the next day. And, you know, Peter says, hey, well, you know, Jesus did all this. It wasn't us. And they said, well, you can't preach about this guy anymore. And he says, well, you know, you got to judge whether we should listen to you or listen to God, but we can't help but speak about what we've seen and heard. Uh, and then it goes on. So it's a powerful passage. Well, what are we learning from this passage? What is God saying to us? And I'd like to suggest a few things that coming out of this passage that is, that is absolutely essential for us if you're going to preach on the streets or if you're going to, if you feel like God's leading you to defy the government uh, or you need to take a certain stand, how do we do that in this season? Now remember here, we're, we're talking about two, the stories that we hear and the stories that we tell because we live in a time where our lives are determined by the narratives, by the stories that we are told and that we choose to believe. Now we've been talking about that and how ultimately Christianity, our Christian faith in Jesus Christ, that is the overarching story that we can invest our lives in. It's the story that is worth everything. And it's a true story. It's a real story. It's not made up, but it's worth all. So, how does this, how does this all speak to us in this time that we're living in right now? Well, the first thing I think this says, it reminds us Jesus is the story, not you. Jesus is the story, not you. Notice what Peter does in both situations. First of all, the guy's healed. He's dancing. I can understand that, you know. Uh, a few months ago, I was barely able to walk. And now, people say, how you doing? I say, well, you know, I'm doing a little jig here, a little bit. I'm having a good time. Uh, and then I hold on to something. 
because I could go over any time. And so, so, uh, uh, so the guy's up, he's getting, tracking attention and everything. And Peter immediately, he says, hey guys, don't look at us and don't look at him. It's Jesus. And let me tell you about Jesus. And then he's called before the Sanhedrin. And, and they say, hey, give an answer for yourselves. And he says, don't look at us and don't look at him. This is about Jesus. Jesus is the story, not you. Jesus is the story. And if you become the story, then people no longer see Jesus. Quite frankly, a number of things that I've seen from Christian leaders, and I'm talking through the lens reporting, not the secular reporting, but through the Christian reporting done on these situations, some of these people are taking a stand to call attention to themselves. And you can see it. If you look at it, if you listen to it, you'll say, where's Jesus in this? And he's not there. Because these guys have made themselves the story. And when that happens, you've lost, and so is Jesus. Because it turns people away from Jesus. And there's a problem here too. If you become the story, then people put their issue with God onto you. And let me tell you, you're a lot easier to defeat than God is. Now, for example here, now Peter could have said, when all the people gathered around, he could have said, you people, you, you are such miserable sinners. Uh, there's nothing good in you. You're totally terrible. You're awful, 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 awful. And I'm telling you, you know, that, that you need to repent. Now, what happens in that? You know, it's like, who are you, Galilean, to tell me that I need to repent? You're from, the, you're, you're from Yorkshire. I'm from London. How can you possibly tell me that I, as a Londoner, need to repent? No, well, what happens there? It becomes about people. It becomes about people. But Peter didn't do that. Notice how he addressed the people throughout. He made sure that the focus was on Jesus because he knew the issue of belief is an issue of belief in Jesus, not an issue of belief in Peter. And the same is true for us. Jesus is the story, not us. The second thing we learn here is that Jesus will confirm his own story. Jesus always confirms his story. He doesn't need you to confirm it for him. He doesn't need you to argue his case. If you're out preaching on the street or you're sharing the gospel just in a one-on-one -on -one concept, you don't have to convince the other person that you're right and somehow they're wrong. Jesus can do that himself. And let me tell you, the Holy Spirit is better at convicting people of sin than you are. 
And if you try to convict people of their sin, again, you know what you just did? You put their issue with God back on you. You don't want that. So Jesus doesn't need you to confirm his story. Jesus will confirm his story. He confirmed his story in this story through the healing of the paralytic. And even today, there are many times where Jesus is coming in to conversations and he's healing sick people. One of the most powerful ways that people come to faith in Jesus Christ is through miracles done by Jesus through his people. And Jesus wants to do miracles through you. This is not something just for a few elite people. Jesus wants to do miracles. Now this doesn't mean that you're going to walk down the street tomorrow and say, be healed in the name of Jesus. Be healed in the name of Jesus. Because if you did that, you'd be drawing attention to yourself. But it does mean that if you go about sharing like Jesus is calling you to share, that from time to time, you're going to see miracles happening. Sometimes you'll see sick people healed. Sometimes God will give you a word to share. Sometimes God will give you an insight into their lives, a word of knowledge about something you couldn't have possibly known. And by sharing these things, you get people's attention so that they listen to Jesus. There's also the power of the story itself. When you share the good news about Jesus Christ, there's a self-authenticating power to it. That's why all you have to do is share it. You don't even have to share it well. We see now Peter sharing the story three different times here in Acts so far. Every time is different, yet every time has a, a power to it. And even the fact that God is working through you is a way that Jesus confirms his own story. So here the educated rulers, they call him in, and they're like, Oy vey, we can tell these guys they've not been to a they've not been to Oxbridge. You know, they've got crazy accents. And yet, wow, what God is doing through them. And God does that. He'll use you. So not only must Jesus always be the story, but we need to remember that Jesus will confirm his story. Jesus will confirm his story. We just need to let him do it. The third thing I think we learn in this passage is that we need to leave the judgment to others. As Peter said, hey, whether we should serve God or man, you be the judge. You be the judge. Whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God. You be the judge. Now this is not an invitation on the part of Peter to be belligerent. Because if Peter had been really belligerent and argumentative when he said this, and I've heard people say this, you know, is it right for me to serve God, uh, to serve you rather than God, you foul creature? Yes, come on. Where's the spirit behind that? It's certainly not the Holy Spirit. Sounds more like a demon. Now, if, if Peter would have acted that way, he would have rightly been thrown in jail. He would have given them an excuse to lock him up or to give him a good beating. But he didn't do that. 
So it wasn't an invitation to be defiant or belligerent, but it is a reminder that we must avoid judgmentalism at all costs. Notice even in his, his sermon to the people, he's saying good things to them, even as he says, repent. He's speaking of God's promises and things, even as he says, repent. So it wasn't some mean-spirited person crying out against uh, the sins of the world. It was a man sharing the love of Jesus Christ in a very powerful way. We must avoid judgmentalism at all costs. Interesting, this statistic. The number one quality that non-Christians and lapsed Christians, people who have fallen, fallen away from the faith, the number one quality that non-Christians and lapsed Christians look for in a person with whom to talk about the faith is, quote, listens without judgment. Listens without judgment. In a survey, 62% of non-Christians or lapsed Christians said, I'd love to talk about the faith, but I want somebody who will listen to me without judgment. Only 34% of those same people, only 34% say the Christians they know personally possess this quality. We must avoid judgmentalism at all costs. We need to leave the judgment to others. They want to judge us, that's fine. But we're not going to judge. And the fourth thing we learn here is we cannot but speak of what we've seen and heard. We cannot but speak about it. Now, it doesn't mean you're going to get out on the street tomorrow and preach about it. But it does mean that it's part of you, who you are, and part of your conversation. And for too long, I think we as Christians have thought, well, I can't say anything because I don't want people to reject me. I don't want people to turn away from me. And let me tell you, based on my experience, and I've not done any kind of surveys or anything, but I have had over the last six months an awful lot of contact with people outside the church. Based on my experience, I've not encountered anybody who was put off about me mentioning my faith in Jesus Christ. In fact, it's been a doorway for many people to have a faith conversation. It hasn't always been a doorway for them to come to faith in Jesus. That's okay. I'm just part of the journey. I don't have to be the one that closes the deal. That's God's thing to do. But if we talk out of that, you know, I just can't help but speak about this because it's so important to me, because it's made such a difference in my life. People will respect this quality about you. They may not agree with you, but they'll respect it. And that is more true now than I think it was 10 years ago. Interestingly, even as the UK and even the US becomes much more secular than it was. We cannot help but speak from what we've seen or heard 
but we must remember that we speak about Jesus and what he's done, and we speak about our encounter with Jesus. It's not an opportunity to point out other people's sin. It's an opportunity to share, hey, this is the story that my life is based on. And this is where that story is going. This is the story and how God's enfolded me in that story. And people love to hear a good story. And our Christian story is nothing if not a great story. So we can also learn from Peter and John how to speak to others more effectively. Whether you're preaching on the street or whether you're talking to somebody at work, uh, whether you're speaking to your kids, whatever it is, we can learn this from Peter and John. The first thing we learn, be alert and available to Jesus. Be alert and available. So here's Peter and John, they're walking along. I don't think they set out that day to see uh, a, par uh, a paralytic walking. They just walked and the guy spoke to them and they turned and they looked at him and they, the text is they fixed their gaze on him. They recognized something's going on. The Holy Spirit spoke to them and they said, hey, we don't have silver or gold, but what we do have because God's just given it to us, in the name of Jesus, ride up and walk. That only happened because they were alert and available to Jesus. And we need to practice being alert and available all the time. You know, your kids, they'll sometimes they'll start talking to you about Jesus, and it will be at the worst possible time. I've had people interrupt me in other times at the worst possible time. But you make that the priority. Be alert and available to Jesus. The second thing here we learn from them is to divert attention to Jesus. Now you'll notice a little rhyme going on here. I can't help myself. I should, I know. But divert attention to Jesus. So be alert and then divert any attention to Jesus. Attention away from yourself, away from other things that are happening, and let Jesus confirm the story. But immediately try to transition whatever it is to Jesus. And then as you do, blurt out the story. Notice I didn't say carefully explicate the story using... 32 points, just blurt it out. Just share it. Share the basic story. We all know it. Share the story. Blurt out the story of what Jesus has done from you, for you. And then, finally, we need to sub subvert the expectation that we'll be judgmental. Because right now, a lot of people out there when they hear you're a Christian, they expect that you'll be judgmental toward them. So we need to subvert that. Uh, and to subvert that, we need to allow for human fallibility. I mean, what Peter said to the guys, he said, hey, okay, you guys crucified Jesus. Well, it's like you're only human. You know, so 
Peter didn't take advantage of the awful thing he had done to condemn them. He took advantage to blurt out the story and let Jesus do his work in their lives. He said, I know you acted in ignorance. He didn't say, oh, you were fully responsible for what you've done. And then notice how Peter emphasizes God's promises. He said, hey, all the way, we're part of this large story where God has made these promises to us. And right now, the promises are coming through because God desires to bless you. And that's what we need to be doing. To know that we're talking with just normal human beings, and we're a normal human being. As one human being to another, we're talking, and we're saying, hey, God has promised us so many things. And God really wants to bless you. That's the desire of His life. And so much of what we've heard over the years is that here's the story of Jesus, and God really wants you to burn in hell. And that's the wrong story to tell. Because God doesn't want anybody to perish. But He wants everybody to be saved. Even if everybody's not saved, His desire is that everybody would be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. That needs to be our desire as well. And it can only be our desire if we emphasize the promises and God's desire to bless. Now I believe this, and I'm telling you now, and this is prophetic, we as the Christians are going to start to have more and more opportunities to speak about Jesus to those around us. It's going to start opening up in London and across the United Kingdom as we have not seen it open except in, in certain migrant communities. We've not seen it open for 25 years. It's going to start open up and we need to step into our advantage when it does, not by taking advantage, but simply by sharing the story. By ministering out of, you know, I can't help but speak about the wonders of Jesus and all that Jesus has done for me and all that He'd like to do for you too. And we need to remember, as Peter said, there is salvation in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given among people by which we must be saved. And that is true. We cannot help but speak about the wonders of Jesus. Let's pray. Lord God, we love You. We honor You. Jesus, we thank You. We thank You for coming down to this world, for living a sinless life, for choosing to die on the cross in our place so that we could have forgiveness of sins, so that we could experience times of refreshing, so that we could have new life in You. And we thank You, Jesus, for rising from the dead. We thank You that You rose bodily from the grave. We thank You for ascending into heaven where You're sitting right now praying for us, interceding for us, and we thank You that You're coming again to rule the world 
with righteousness, truth, grace, and love. <laughs> and we thank you for letting us be part of that story. Lord Jesus, let us be a people who cannot help but speak. And Jesus, show yourself to us again as the God who confirms his word with signs and wonders and all kinds of miracles. But we pray all these things to your honor and glory and the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, let's join.